Imagine a large assembly line. Let's say it begins with a lineup of natural raw resources, waiting to be made into a finished product by many lanes of simultaneously operating machines. These lanes all converge into a final assembly line with all of the finished products. Employees at the other end are waiting to gather these up and package them onwards to the places that require them. But what happens when some of these machines break? Products will still continue to flow down those lanes, but they won't be properly modified in the lanes with broken machinery. Suddenly, instead of a neat line of finished materials, the employees at the other end will receive a mixed bag of finished and unfinished products. Employees will be forced to try and send back the unfinished products back into the assembly line to get modified. They can try and adapt to the situation by shutting down the broken machines and trying to divert the products into the lanes that work. But regardless, at the end of the day, you're going to end up with a less efficient system and less product delivery to the final destination. In acute respiratory distress syndrome, or ARDS, many of the alveoli become dysfunctional by inflammation and fluid buildup, making them unable to ventilate the deoxygenated blood in the capillaries leading to them, just like the products going down the lanes with broken machinery. This creates an intrapulmonary shunt, resulting in blood with venous levels of oxygen saturation being shifted into the arterial circulation. This process contributes to the majority of the hypoxemia observed in ARDS. Today, our patient is ARDS, and you are the doctor. Welcome to The Internet Work, a podcast made by internal medicine residents meant to serve you better on the wards and on call. Today's episode is entitled Not Another Peep, An Approach to ARDS. Now, time for a minute physiology. ARDS is a disease of unregulated inflammation, either from a primary pulmonary or secondary systemic source. The inflammatory cells release cytokines, which increase capillary permeability and cause proteinaceous fluid to leak from the blood into the alveoli and the adjacent lung interstitium. This, combined with endothelial and alveolar epithelial cell injury, contributes to impaired alveolar oxygenation. Pathologically, this process is described as diffuse alveolar damage. On a macro scale, the widespread alveolar filling and collapse in ARDS decreases the compliance of the lung, increases dead space ventilation, and most importantly, creates an intrapulmonary right-to-left shunt by creating areas of perfused lung with no ventilatory capacity, thus causing venous blood to be shifted into the arterial circulation. The creation of an intrapulmonary shunt is primarily responsible for the severe hypoxemia of ARDS. The natural history of ARDS includes the following two phases. First, the exudative phase. In this phase, alveolar edema and inflammation predominate. This is the phase in which patients present with severe hypoxemia and bilateral patchy pulmonary opacities, demonstrating diffuse alveolar involvement. This phase generally begins one to three days after a known insult and lasts about a week. Second, the proliferative and fibrotic phase. In this phase, even after the correction of the underlying insult, many patients continue to develop further lung injury secondary to lung tissue proliferation. 
This phase leads to persistent hypoxemia, typically up to three weeks in most patients, although some develop permanent fibrosis and continue to require ventilatory support for a significantly longer period. Now, let's develop our diagnostic approach to ARDS. The ARDS definition is classified by the Berlin definition, which has the following criteria. First, acute onset. The onset of the respiratory distress should have occurred within a week of the known ARDS insult. Second, bilateral involvement. There should be bilateral opacities on chest x-ray in an alveolar pattern, which is generally patchy with peripheral predominance. Third, significant hypoxia. The calculated arterial PO2 to FiO2 has to be less than 300 on at least 5 centimeters of water of PEEP, or positive end expiratory pressure, on either invasive or non-invasive ventilation. This ratio can be conceptualized as a fraction of oxygen getting into the blood compared to the amount of oxygen being delivered to the patient. Fourth, absence of an alternative cause. The respiratory distress should not be related to cardiac failure or volume overload. These components of the Berlin definition can be simplified into a mnemonic, which should be easy to remember. A-R-D-S. A is for acute onset. R is for respiratory distress unrelated to cardiac failure or volume overload. D is for double lung involvement. And S is for significant hypoxia. So there you have it. Now that we have defined A-R-D-S, we can talk about grading its severity. The arterial PO2 to FiO2 ratio, also known as the PF ratio discussed earlier in the definition, is used for this purpose. By definition, all patients with ARDS will have a PF ratio less than 300 millimeters of mercury. We can then classify the severity of ARDS based on the PF ratio in three mutually exclusive categories. Mild ARDS has a PF ratio of 200 to 300 millimeters of mercury. Moderate is 100 to 200 millimeters of mercury, and severe is a PF ratio of less than 100 millimeters of mercury. The last critical component of the approach to ARDS is an understanding of the different causes. The causes of ARDS can be broadly classified into two categories, etiologies that cause primary pulmonary injury and those that cause systemic inflammation, which results in secondary pulmonary injury. In the primary pulmonary injury category, we can break down the causes by pathophysiology. Infectious pneumonia is by far the most common, which can be secondary to typical and atypical bacterial infection, fungal, and severe viral infections such as influenza. Other categories include aspiration, which involves either gastric contents or the aspiration of water via drowning, inhalational injuries of caustic chemicals and smoke, thoracic or pulmonary trauma, fat embolism, or reperfusion injury post-lung transplant or cardiopulmonary bypass. In the secondary pulmonary injury category, we have many different systemic inflammatory processes. These processes include sepsis, some severe hematologic conditions include DIC or disseminated intravascular coagulation, and transfusion-associated lung injury or trolley, non-thoracic trauma, pancreatitis, and rarely some drugs, including illicit drug overdose and chemotherapy such as bleomycin. Now, on to our workup. 
In ARDS, the primary goals of workup include identifying and treating the underlying cause, as well as monitoring the consequences of the patient's respiratory status. The cause of ARDS is often identified by history. You should take into account both the patient's underlying medical history and any identifiable triggers, such as febrile illness, transfusion, or trauma. If the underlying cause is unclear, make sure to rule out sepsis with blood cultures, urine cultures, sputum cultures, and cultures for acid fast bacilli, or AFB, in the right patient. CT chest is often used to better characterize the underlying pathology when ARDS is suspected clinically and on chest x-ray. In order to rule out cardiogenic pulmonary edema, which can often have a similar appearance and presentation, perform a full volume assessment and order a troponin, CK, ECGs, BNP, and an echocardiogram as appropriate. Additionally, serial arterial blood gas monitoring is used to assess the response of the patient to your ventilatory strategies and treatment of the underlying cause of the ARDS. It is important to remember that patients with ARDS are quite ill and commonly will require advanced respiratory support, such as high-flow oxygen or intubation. Ensure that you involve your senior resident, as well as ICU and respiratory therapists, whenever you suspect your patient might have ARDS. Now, on to our management. The management of ARDS is focused on the treatment of the underlying inflammatory trigger, optimization of the patient's respiratory distress, and prevention of further damage to the lungs. In the latter category, there are many different ventilatory strategies which are used in ARDS patients to optimize the respiratory function and prevent ventilator-induced lung injury. Today, we'll talk about four main strategies, but there are many more that could be discussed. One of the main components of treating patients with ARDS is to ensure that you are using a high PEEP. Given that the hypoxemia of ARDS is often due to intrapulmonary shunting via collapsed alveoli, providing supplemental oxygen will not be sufficient to resolve the patient's hypoxia. Using high PEEPs, up to a maximum of 15 to 20 centimeters of water, can improve hypoxemia through multiple mechanisms. First, high PEEP can prop open collapsed alveoli, promoting improved oxygenation and decreasing shunting. Additionally, maintaining high PEEPs can prevent ventilator-associated lung injury by preventing the constant collapse and reopening of distal airways, also known as adelect trauma. Lastly, maintaining higher PEEPs can help reduce the degree of required FiO2. Another strategy that should be used is low tidal volumes. High tidal volumes have the potential to cause regional lung overdistension and subsequent injury, also known as volutrauma. Using low tidal volumes to minimize this risk has been shown to lead to an 11% absolute risk reduction in mortality in the 2000 ARMA trial. The ideal tidal volume should be 6 mls per kilogram using the patient's ideal body weight. Prone positioning can also improve hypoxemia and ARDS by decreasing the collapse in the areas of the lung posterior to the heart as well as improving VQ mismatch. Prone positioning was also shown to decrease mortality, with an absolute risk reduction of 16% in the recent Proceva trial. Lastly, another method sometimes used is a recruitment maneuver, or the practice of delivering a high level of CPAP, for instance, 30 to 40 centimeters of water for 40 seconds, to forcibly open collapsed alveoli. Other non-ventilatory interventions which are utilized in the treatment of ARDS include conservative fluid management, 
steroids, although their use is controversial, and paralytics in severe cases. All right, now, time for a medicine minute. If you've been in the ICU this winter season, you'll have seen many patients with influenza-related ARDS on ECMO. The evidence supporting the use of ECMO in ARDS is rooted in the 2009 CSER trial, which demonstrated a 16% absolute risk reduction in survival without severe disability at six months in patients who referred to ECMO-capable centers. However, it was unclear whether these patients had an improved mortality secondary to ECMO itself, as not every patient involved in the trial received ECMO after referral. On the other end of the spectrum of evidence, the OLEA trial, which was published in NEGIM in 2018, demonstrated no mortality benefit with the use of ECMO in patients with severe ARDS. However, again, the results of this trial were complicated by the fact that many of the patients in the control non-ECMO group ultimately received ECMO as a salvage measure, which was not accounted for in the primary outcome of 60-day mortality between the groups. Additionally, subsequent post-hoc statistical analyses of this trial have suggested that there could be a mortality benefit. Given this mixed evidence, the benefit of using ECMO in severe ARDS is still unclear. However, you may see ECMO being used as a salvage measure for patients with severe refractory ARDS. Thank you for listening to today's episode of The Internet Work, entitled Not Another Peep, An Approach to ARDS. This episode was written by Dr. Leia Koziakowski, internal medicine resident, and reviewed by Dr. Florence Moriello, general internist, and Dr. Stephen Lipinski, critical care. This episode was recorded and produced by Allison Lai. The Internet Work series was created by Allison Lai and is developed by Zara Morali and Leia Karianopoulos. The Internet Work is overseen by Dr. Daniel Brant Vegas. Music production by Lakshman Vizantha Mohan. If you like this episode, please like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. As always, we have an associated infographic, which can be found on our website at www.theinternetwork.com. This is The Internet Work, and we hope to see you again soon.